State Football Insider. I'm your host, Rob Penn, along with my co-host, Juan Roque and J.R. River. Our Sun Devils dominated Northern Arizona in the season opener, controlling every phase for four quarters. The defense executed a stellar performance, nearly pitched a shutout, and only giving up 120 yards total of offense to the Lumberjacks. Juan, what stood out to you about that defensive performance? I think the one thing that we could definitely agree on is that they're playing with a more sense of urgency. They're, they're playing with a, a lot more speed. And to me, this is a testament to their defensive coordinators. You know, JR and I are very familiar with the ASU defensive coordinator this year, Donnie Henderson, Coach Hendo. What Coach Hendo is about, he's about intensity. He's about fire. He's about physicality. You name it, the whole the whole nine yards. And when you have a guy like that running your defense, these guys, these kids are going to be playing to that level. He's going to hold them to a standard. It was evident that things are different in the past and in, in recent seasons. We've seen a little bit of a kind of a lackadaisical approach to defense, where you will see a Division One AA team or a lesser Division One team scoring points, moving the ball, moving the chains. You know, they only held they held any to seven first downs the whole game. And remember, late in the second half, the starters were off the field. But when you hold a team to seven first downs, I don't care what division they're in, one double A, one A, whatever, you hold them to seven first downs, your defense is doing something. They're putting in work. Here's another key stat, 23 yards rushing. I know that Coach Henderson is big on stopping the run. He will dare you to beat him with the pass. That's the whole point of that defense. I know who we studied under. When I look at the names, like we had like Kent Bear, Rod Marinelli, and so forth. Coach Hendo, he's also been around a lot of NFL players and coaches. So it's all about stopping that run game and forcing them to throw, forcing them to get that ball downfield. They averaged one yard per carry on, on Thursday. They had 97 yards passing. So that means that our defensive backs are starting to understand what's expected of them. Stop the team. Yeah, okay, let's kick the ballistics. It's NAU. We all know that. Yeah. But this is a game they were supposed to dominate. This is a game they're supposed to win. They did that. Yep. The one thing of concern, they had zero sacks. With this type of defense that Coach Henderson, I know, likes to run, it's a pressure defense. You got to get pressure on that passer, set up your DBs. If you can rush for, that just sets you up really nicely for what they want to do. They can blitz you. They can do all kinds of things, hide their coverages. So four quarterback carries is okay. But against a team like NAU, you want to see a little bit more pressure on that quarterback. But, you know, we'll take the 43 win. Absolutely. JR, what was your take on it? Um, I think they did everything they wanted to do. Uh, they look good doing it also. Uh, like Juan said, I believe they're very well coached with Coach Kendu. Uh, he knows what he's doing. He's coached, done it at the highest level. Um, and he's coming back to this level to help guys get to the next level with just giving, you know, really good schemes and putting them in positions to be successful, understanding their athleticism and where their strengths are. I also want to make sure that we we understand what's going on. So this defense is geared around the linebacker position, guys. Uh -huh. When I look at this game, Kyle Soli or Soeli, I always mess this kid's name up. Man, has he stepped up. He had five tackles. He had an interception. Then he dropped an interception. If you guys mm -hmm. remember that. I believe it was in the second quarter. He was all over the field, though. Anyone that's watched Hard Knocks, and I, I mentioned this on a Facebook post, you know, if y'all know who Rodrigo is on Hard Knocks, he's the rookie linebacker from Oklahoma State who we're oh. playing this week. But uh, he's like that kind of player. He's all over the field. He ain't going to impress you physically. You're going to look at the kid. 
He ain't gonna be. He ain't gonna. He's not an imposing figure. But the kid just finds a way to be around the football. He finds a way to get his assignment done. This is the kind of guy that defenses usually will thrive on, will rally around. And then when you combine him with Merlin Robertson, I call him our ballers last week. Merlin had 11 tackles, guys. He 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 wasn't mentioned a lot in the in the, in the telecast. You know they, they didn't talk about Merlin a lot in, in the game. But man, you have 11 tackles as a linebacker. JR, you know the deal, man. You're doing your job. Yep. So when you take Soli, when you take Robertson, we got something, guys. We got something that we can definitely build on. We got something that uh, as we move forward, if those two guys have the season that we think they can have, this defense is going to be something special. Hey, no. shout, out, shout, shout out to Merlin also. Um, yes. And rest in peace to his father. I play high school football with his father. So, um, you know, I know his family. He's a great kid, and he's out there playing his heart out. That's really good. He, is, that, he plays with a passion, man. And, and I, I've met his family too, JR. The Roberts are yeah. such nice people. Well, you know, they're, they're – <laughs> you know they're they're, uh, they're Islander people. They're always so laid yeah. back and chill until they put football pads on, and then the switch mm. comes on. So then you got to watch it. If I could point out one area of concern, though, guys, it's it is the pass rush. It seems that right now our defensive ends are the strength of the defense. Uh, Joe Moore had four tackles. Mm-hmm. He had a quarterback hurry. Defensive end Anthony Cooper had three tackles in a quarterback hurry. But I didn't see much from the interior. It's a little bit concerning because as the season goes on and we got a team coming. This week, where we got to take a road trip, they got to start finding a way to get those middle guys more involved, get them a little bit more uh, um, upfield. Yes, I know they want to draw the double teams on nose tackle and free up the linebackers to be able to make the plays, but uh, that's my only concern is that pass rush and getting that interior, that defensive line up to speed and getting them a little bit more involved and a little bit more active. As we close out this first segment, I want to shed a little light on that linebacker core, but the coach also. You know, that Chris Claiborne, he's doing a hell of a job, one of the best linebacker coaches in the country. He's going to have them play the whole season, and they'll be ready to play next week, I guarantee it. JR, last week that offense put up 40 points, pretty much dominated the entire game. What did you see? I seen a a well-coached team executing. Um, The quarterback, Mr. Jones, he did an excellent job distributing the ball, getting out of his hands when he needed to. Mm-hmm. When he needed to pull it down and take off, he did. You know, the um, design runs that they had. But also, uh, he just made plays. He made all of the plays that he needed to make. He made some good throws. Uh, for the most part, protected the ball. Uh, I love the running backs. Mm-hmm. I love the running back that showed out. Um, I believe his name is um, Valade. Uh, had 15 carries for uh, 116 yards, almost seven yards a carry. Uh, that's getting after it right there. When you can do that, it makes the game a lot easier. Uh, when a quarterback doesn't have to throw the ball 30 and 40 times, you can turn around and hand the ball off and get yardage. You know, I mean, really, you get four, four yards a carry, what is that? That's a touchdown. That's exactly what it is. So he can continue just – that, you know, it's refreshing to see them run the ball. It's, it's really good to see a, a running back at ASU that can get it done. Let's talk about that offensive line. They were dominant as well. Yes, definitely showed a lot of good things. Uh, what I really enjoyed watching, and Jared will tell you, is uh, watching, watching, the, watching the push off the, uh, off the snap. That is always key. A lot of people don't ever watch the snap and then watch the push of the offensive line. That will usually set up what's coming next. And if you can move people off the ball and you can get them, you know, one to two yards backwards, 
that gives the running back so much more room. It gives them a lot more ability to be able to cut through inside, change direction, go backside. I love what I saw out of that interior. Ladarius La- Henderson had a great game. Ben Scott definitely looks like he's he's the deal at center. The only thing that I did see that was of concern was at the tackle positions. Uh, seemed like there any he was getting a little more pressure than you would want to see mm-hmm. on Emory Jones, but. I'll get back to the old line, but one thing about Emory Jones that I liked was he stays in the pocket, guys. He doesn't look for a reason to run. Now, he could run, mm-hmm. but there was a play in the second half that I saw that was super impressive, and I'm sure you guys saw it too. Emory Jones steps back. He plants like a pro-style quarterback. He plants. He reads one. He reads two. Neither one was open. He hit the third receiver in stride on the way out of bounds for a first down. Mm-hmm. Guys, we haven't seen that. We haven't had that. And I know there have been a lot of noise about the other dude leaving and, you know, what happened the other night and, you know, whatever. But at, at the end of the day, when we're thinking about this new offense and what they're trying to do, it's like a hybrid spread pro style kind of thing. You see them under center. You see them, you know, clap, clap, uh, clap snapping or whatever they call it, snap count with the, with the claps. So Emory Jones gives you those different dynamics. But, yes, it starts with the offensive line. It starts with those five big uglies up front. You know, I'm a big ugly, too. But. What's of concern right now is that, you know, Des Holmes was out. The, the, the projected starting right tackle, the kid from Penn State, didn't play. So they started uh, Joey Ramos in his place. He's a promising young player. He's a local product. Man, he's out. He's done. He got rolled up on. I believe it was in late in the second quarter or maybe it was in the third quarter, but terrible injury. Lineman gets rolled up in the back of his knees. Guys, it's never going to end well, sadly. It's just an unfortunate situation. Wish him well. Hopefully he gets a speedy recovery. But people got to step up now. You know, Chris Martinez at that right guard spot, he's a transfer student too. But Des Holmes, they need to get him back. Because one thing about O-line play, continuity, reps, continuity, playing with your brothers. When you play together longer, mm-hmm. you know what your brother's doing. You, you know what, you know, his strengths are, you know what his weaknesses are. So you're able to be more of a gelled, cohesive unit. So that right now needs to come together quickly because uh, the next opponent obviously is going to be formidable. I was just going to say that that's huge. Uh, some of the things you said right there, Juan, uh, as far as the cohesiveness and getting the guys that are going to be in there, in there, um, especially when it comes to not only the run game, but then that's when it's really important the passing game because yes. you got to understand those defensive fronts. you got to understand where those blitzes are coming from. And the back has to understand, you know, what's going on with his guys up front. Hey, this guy may be able to slow the kick here. Or this guy may be strong here and know where they need to uh, – at you know when the, when a passing game is uh going so yeah you said some things that are dead on point thank you and that and that jerry as you know that that is the hugest part of when when you got different people starting different people playing is it does affect communication and running backs in o-line i don't even know if a lot of people know this jerry we communicate the running backs <laughs> in line nine out of ten pass plays are working together the the the, the, the running back becomes another lineman so you talk about identifying blitz identifying corner blitz is it a threat? You know, are they are they going to, you know, shoot the A-gaps and switch assignments with the running backs? We can go and cut that flip, flip and nose tackle. There's so much that happens in such a quick moment that if you're not all on the same page, it's going to get your quarterback hurt. And right now the Devils, based on what I've seen, we got we to keep Emory Jones. Like, like Cazetto used to be so passionate about Jake, right, Jared? We got to keep yep. him healthy. Well, right now Emory Jones, we got to keep him healthy because we know behind him, we're in trouble if we lose this kid. So they got to do everything they can to get this together quickly, get get the best guys on the field, get them communicating, and let's rock and roll. Today's guest, Sun Devil Hall of Famer, Luis Zendejas. How you doing, sir? I'm 
doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, you know, here on a on a Tuesday Tuesday night here uh, in Arizona, I guess we didn't hit 120. We were like maybe barely hitting 100 degrees. So yeah, it's def- a good day. Yeah, definitely, man. It was hot out there uh, last Thursday, also. Boy. Yeah. Well, put yeah, it this way: I was in I was in Houston last week, mm-hmm. and it was so humid and hot that when I came to Arizona, I thought it was a cool down by then. Oh. So I feel like it was cooler here. It was bad in Houston. Oh, yeah, man. That, that humidity is no joke. Hey, let's get to it. 81 collegiate career field goals. Out of those 81, which one was your most memorable? You know, I, I think it was the 82 that the coach didn't let me kick. No, I think it's the record-breaking <laughs> uh, that Daryl Rogers. uh actually went and we kicked the field goal to break a record, even though we were beating uh, USC at that point. And they, they kind of got mad a little bit, but Daryl didn't really care. He said, Luis, I want you to have another, another field goal right there. I think it was going to be like the fifth or sixth field goal of the game or something, but uh, that was uh, memorable. Uh, it was the uh, one memorable. I can never, Hey, the one that I can never forget. And mm-hmm. it was actually my only miss extra point. Well, let me correct it. I did miss it. My holder blocked my extra point. The only one. That's the one I can never forget. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I was three years in a row, non-miss, and my holder was like, man, I hope I don't miss it up for you. And he forgot to take the hand away from the other side when he put the the ball on the ground or on the tee. Oh, man. What about the over 360 (laughs) points, you know, setting the NCAA record for most points scored? How how did that Well, I think – I think the the feeling of that was amazing because of the fact that you look up to as the Dallas Cowboys was your team coming from a Hispanic you know community in Arizona in Mexico. That's all you see is the Dallas Cowboys, and you were chasing Tony Dorsett's record that he did it by touchdowns, and I did. And I was doing it by field goals and extra points. Oh, yeah. That was that was the amazing part. So, Luis, walk us through that because obviously, as a kicker. It's hero or zero. And in a lot of games, when you're in a big-time college football team, as you were with ASU as, as I was, a lot of games come down to that one or two points. The pressure that you feel, right? You, you get on the field, you're down by two, it's all on your right leg, whether or not the game is going to be won or not won. As a kicker, how do you train for that? How do you get ready for that moment? How do you simulate it? Because – you know, offense simulates, right, two-minute offense. Defense simulates two-minute defense. We, we'd simulate goal line. But as a kicker and being one of the best to ever kick, walk us through your preparation and your mindset. How do you take the field with two seconds left? you got to make it for 47 yards. What's well, number right? one, Number one, in high school, you don't really think about it. You go right through, you go and kick, and, you know, you, you really it doesn't make much. In college, it's the same way. You go through it. I mean, I don't want to bring up LSU from just the other night, the game. I was about to. Missed extra point, <laughs> but the block extra point, poor kid, you know, everything there. Uh, but it's it's the way you approach the things. In the NFL, it's a lot different. Let me tell you, I used to go down when I was with the Eagles. You know, there was a 45-yard field goal to win the game. I said, Randall, stir down. Just down it, Randall Cunningham. Just down it, dude. Let me kick the field goal. Let me win it. He goes, Luis. 
How much you got on this kick? Well, 45 yards, an extra $10,000. The paycheck is $10,000. It's a game winner, another $10,000. So this kick's about $45,000 for me. And Randall goes, well, if I score a touchdown, this is like almost 100000 for me. So it was like, you want those. You're there as a kicker. You, I mean, honestly, you don't lose any money if you miss. You only gain if you make it. Wow. Do you understand? So really, pressure's not there. You want to have it. You know, the lifetime of a kicker could be, you know, two, three games, maybe two years at the most. You mm-hmm. want all those pressure kicks. You want to kick. You want to be the winner. You want to. You don't just want to be on the sidelines and say, "Oh, when are they gonna put me in? Oh, please don't put me in. I don't want to miss." No, you want to <laughs> go in there and, and showcase. With, just like Juan, Juan Roque can tell you, man. I wish they design a play that he can just flare out and throw a pass to him, or he can throw a pass. We always dream those things. We always think of those things that you know. If you go with your mindset, whenever I go in the field goals and I train kickers here in my house, uh, I tell them that if you want to miss the field goal or the extra point, think negative towards going there. Oh, my God. All my friends are at the sports bar watching this game. All my my ex-students or my ex you know, uh, uh, friends or, or players are watching this. I don't, I'm going to miss. You know, you walk into that, you're going to miss. Or you go down there with the attitude of like, man, 35, 40 yarder to win the game. Here it is. We're going to beat the Dallas Cowboys on this field goal. I'm with the Arizona Cardinals right now. I'm going to win this field goal. You know, leave it to me. I'll take it. I'm, you you think everything positive, positive is going to come out of that. That's how you're supposed to approach anything in life itself. Life of a kicker. So another thing, Luis, so you're, you're lining up to kick, right? 47 yards. You know it's all on you. It's all on your right leg. Does the kicker know when the ball leaves his foot? Because you see it every Sunday, every Saturday with these kids or these professionals. When they kick it and they already have the look of dejection before the ball even goes to the air, is it instinctive as a kicker? Because you do it so much. It's such a routine. The way you line up, the way you look at the ball, even the angle of your foot to the way you connect with the ball. Does the kicker know? Yeah. Right when it leaves your foot, do you know? Totally. If you if you really to go do it and go get a kick of 47 yards right now, I go out there, I can literally do it blindfolded and tell you if it went good or no good, just based on how it hits your foot, based on the approach, based on how the ball, how the ball, everything that was set up, ready to go, the way you approached it. But somehow we kickers still look up, see if it was good. Even though we already know, we're not looking to see if it's good. We're looking to, oh, my God, this is going to be a a hook to the left. I hope there's a crosswind that brings it in because I know that that wasn't a good kick. And sometimes you get that. Woo! Like you take that. That could have been a miss, but, you know, you you got it through. So, yes, absolutely, Juan. It's it's, you know exactly from the approach and how you kick the ball if you got it good or you don't. The the Zendejas – Kicking Academy, pretty much. I hear great things about you uh, all the time and the, the kickers that you uh, really bring on to the next level. Uh, what is the most important piece of information that you can give them in addition to, you know, the mentality? Well, the most important is the mental game. The mental game is the most important out of everything. Anybody can kick. I can teach them how to kick. I can teach them how to hit, get more power. I can teach them how to be a consistent kicker. The mental game, I'm not going to go on the field with them to remind them to kick it straight, follow through, keep your head down. I'm not going to do that. So the mental game will play play uh, the biggest part for them. Mm. So that's the part that they have to do themselves. 
the head coach is not going to be there. The kicking coach is not going to be there. You got to look at this. High school, college, pro, you're still kicking a football. The yards are the same. A yard is a yard. Five yards is five yards. The goalposts might be a little narrow, but they're not. You always aim small. You always go through the whole process. And you know what? The thing about it is you've got to love what you do. You've got to love that you're a kicker. You've got to love that position. Like, let me have it. I mean, Kobe Bryant would be what? Let me have the ball. If it depends on me making it, let me have the ball. You might as well. I'm the type that would say, hey, guys, the game got rained out. Arizona State, let's say Notre Dame, against Notre Dame. The game got rained out. They're going to cancel the game. I would be the one stepping up to the coach and say, hey, hey, why don't we have a field goal competition, me against their kicker, and the winner wins the game. That's how <laughs> confident that's how confidence a kicker would be based on that. Kind of like a hockey train- soccer. <laughs> exactly. Same. Give me a penalty shot. Give me, a, give me the penalty shot. I mean, I even saw Messi miss the penalty shot, but often do you see Messi or, or Ronaldo miss a penalty shot. You don't. You got to have that confidence. So, Luis, take us, take us to, take us to fifteen-year-old Luis, right? You, you know, you're in high school playing football. Well, at what point did you say this is what I want to do? I want to be that guy that it's on my foot. I want to win the game. You said I want the ball. I want that opportunity. I want to carry this team on my shoulders in that moment. When did that happen for you? Is it a moment that? During practice, during a game, when did you know that kicking was going to be it? Well, you know, to be very, very honest with you, I really didn't realize that till till Arizona State. I went to high school. I was a kicker, but I was a freaking great soccer player. Oh, man, soccer was going to be my life. But at the end of the day, one of the coaches, a science teacher coach or, or science teacher, we got together and started kicking and started, you know, experimenting. Remember, we are some of the some of the kickers that we started sidewinders kicking soccer style, not straight on. Even my coach in high school said, "Wait, wait, what are you doing sideways? Why aren't you kicking it straight down?" You know what I'm saying? So we had to get those barriers going of of saying we got to kick it from the side. We're gonna do this. So that that didn't do anything. Arizona State, USC, and UCLA offered me a scholarship, right? And everybody, I'm in California, and everybody says, "Wait, wait, wait, you didn't go to USC and UCLA." Well, no, because USC had Charles White as a running back. They were they were averaging two and a half field goals a year. Arizona State was averaging two field goals a, a game. Where am I going to go as a kicker? And then I didn't want to go to UCLA. UCLA, such a beautiful campus. I probably would have just flunked out. I was actually a C average student. I was I would have flunked out in college. But you know what? The good thing about Arizona State and, you know, with the guy that they set me up here with Jose Burrell and, and Rudy G. Bologna, Rudy G. Bologna was was our 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 study hall spaghetti. No meatballs. It, he wasn't that rich. It was just spaghetti and sauce. We we went with uh, with a bunch of players like even Barry Bonds, Wakamatsu, uh, baseball player, some of the wrestlers. Uh, we would drive to this place right by where I live right now. And I said back then, I'll never live this far from campus. And here I am, build a house right here, right by where Rudy's house used to be. As a matter of fact, they built a house, Rudy G. Bologna Elementary School. And that is what made me be that A, B or A student in Arizona State when I was a C student in high school because of People that put you in the right places. Of course, you put yourself in the right places, but not getting in trouble with the law, not no drinking, smoking, none of that stuff. You know, you you're you're a, a very serious uh, athlete. You're gonna stay with just being straight out athlete. Work hard, eat well, you know, and sleep good. And that's what that's what I teach a lot of the kickers here. The same way, some will follow, 
And those are the ones that got scholarships. Those are the ones that get, you know, keep continuing to do. Some other ones would just say, well, you know, they didn't give me the opportunity. Everybody's opportunity. You come to my camps. You come to the my the Louisa Dejas Foundation here. Nobody has to pay a single penny ever, ever. I will never, ever on kids. You have a field to kick and you have footballs to kick. And if you need cleats, I have cleats and you can use the cleats the same way you can have them. So don't give me excuses that you can't or somebody didn't give you the opportunity. That's how you treat. That's how you make. And that's how you pay back to what somebody did for you when you were growing up. I'm a kid out of Michoacan, Mexico. Come on. You know, Michoacan. look where we are. Look where we are. Well, exactly, bro. Exactly. Uh, I have a question for you. What was the most difficult um, situation that you had to make a field goal under? First, weather, game, game situation, then also mental, mentally. Like maybe something personally was going on in your life. God, that's a great question. And let me tell you, don't laugh. Make sure you don't laugh when I tell you the story. <laughs> Very true story. It was actually with the Dallas Cowboys. I'm down there at Valley Ranch at the practice field kicking. Right? So we get this. My first year coming with them. Guess who's behind me watching me? Tom Landry. Remember what I told you what my team was? The Dallas Cowboys, that's what they show in Arizona and Mexico. Tom Landry with the little hat that never says a thing. I started missing fielders to the right, to the left, and then I'm lined up for the next kick. And he stops me. He goes, yeah, Luis, do I make you nervous? And I go, yeah, I guess you do. Well, let me tell you something. I have to go to the games. I don't know how you're going to figure it out to make it. Because I'll be at the games. That's what Tom Landry told me. At that point, I said, that guy's got jokes. I went back, started kicking, and I started making everything. Because he made me feel comfortable like one of his. Do you understand? Tom Landry is a guy that never said a word. With the low hat, serious, boom. Very nice person. But to say that is like, hey, Luis, I don't know how to tell you. But I got to be at the game too. So you better learn to make them with me right behind you. Or else you're going to get fired fast. That's what that was one of the toughest. Seriously, one of the toughest kicks to do is to kick from behind your idol, your your guy there that you're kicking and you got to perform, or else you're fired. That's a good one. It's a real good one. <laughs> hey, Mr. Zendayhouse, before we get out of here, I want to ask you, what's the furthest? That, have you ever kicked a field goal barefoot? You know. I tried it one time because a friend of mine, you know, um, Dugan used to kick in Seattle and Chicago and places like that. I tried one dude and I couldn't kick you out. I couldn't kick you a 10 yarder without crying barefooted. But my farthest field goal with the shoe Mm -hmm. was actually in high school, 60 yarder. So 60 yarder, that same field goal I kicked the same game I kicked a 52, a 55, a 57, a 59, and a 60, which is, you know, what? Wow, that's, that's those are those because in high school they let you they let you kick those. I mean, I had conversations with with coaches here that they say, "Hey, hey, hey, Luis, uh, you know we're gonna go with that kicker. He kicked seventy five yards." I said, "Yeah, coach, I know you, a special teams coach. I never seen you go for a seventy five yards. Don't you want that guy fifty two yards in consistent?" He goes, "Yeah, but it looks good." Okay, the only guy, let me tell you, Tucker is the only guy that can make you those seventy plus yards. I mean, Matt Prater can kick some serious good field goal kicks. 
the same thing for the Cardinals. Let me tell you, some power legs. But majority of your bread is inside, really inside 48 yards. If I give a tryout to any of the kids here and you miss anything inside 45 yards, I will shake you, say, your hand right there, and I say, thank you for coming. Bye-bye. Because those are the ones you have to make. What is the theory behind kicking barefoot? I don't know. They said they want to feel the ball. Mm. I'm going to tell you a quick story about feeling the ball. Mm. I was with the Philadelphia Eagles. We played in the fog game, the fog, in Chicago. Google it. So we go down there. I've never seen, and Juan Roque will tell you, I've never seen offensive line and defensive line with pantyhose. It was so cold. They wore those on. Do you, do you know what I put on my foot? I cheated. I, I did cheat it. It was so cold. It hurt so much. I went in early. I kicked the ball and it was hurting so much. I cut a piece of Tupperware that was in the locker. I taped it to my foot and I put my shoe over and I taped it around. And that's how I kicked. Guess what? I didn't care about feeling the ball. I just went the ball. I was four field goals. I made four field goals out of there. I think we only scored 12 points. I was four field goals. We lost because the fog game took away the passing for us with Randall Cunningham and, you know, Mike Quick and, you know, Keith Jackson, you know, all those top players over there, Reggie White and Jerome Browns and all those guys. Ray Ellis. But that's, again, what is the feeling about feeling the ball? There's no way I want to feel the ball. I've seen some kickers kick straight on, barefooted. How can that be? Right? Either you like pain or what? I don't. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on, Mrs. Zendayas. This has been excellent, man. We look forward to having you on again. Definitely. Appreciate it. Anytime. You know that. I'm here. Gracias, Luis. You guys take care. Orale, cuente. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. This week, our Sun Devils travel to Stillwater to face Oklahoma State. Last week against Central Michigan, they put up 58 points. That defense gave up 44. JR, what is your prediction for this week? I think it's going to be a hell of a game. I think um, we're going to have our hands full. Uh, defensively, we're going to have our hands full. Uh, that offense they have, uh, number three, uh, Spencer, number 17, uh, John Paul, number eight, Johnson, uh, number 80, Presley. Now, let me tell you, Presley can go from anywhere on the field. Johnson is a good quality receiver. And John Paul, last week, I think he took a hitch to the house. Mm. Um, and uh, Spencer, the quarterback, yeah. yeah, he real. He can throw the ball all over the field. Uh, he's got a good arm. Not only that, he'll pull that thing down and run. Over 400. And, and he's, a serious, he's a serious threat to yeah. go. That's a right. serious threat. So he can't be taken lightly. Um, that's uh, offensively, we're going to have our hands full. Um, I'm sorry, defensively, we're going to have our hands full with that offense. Uh, but on the other side, the defensive side, I think we're going to be okay offensively because you, you can score points on them. Not only can you score points on them, I watched um, Michigan's uh, receiver. Central uh, Michigan. Excuse me, Central Michigan's receiver, uh, Number zero, I can't recall his name right now, but this gentleman caught every ball he caught was contested and he caught them. So they do a good job in coverage, but they don't really make plays on the ball. So mm. we should be we should be all right. And you can run the ball on them. You can run the ball on them. Um, they showed that uh, several times. Um, 
I think we're going to be okay. It's, it's a game that's going to be a tough game, but it's a game nonetheless we can win if we play ball and do what we're coached to do. Now, judging of what you saw last week, Juan, and what the Cowboys did last week to Central Michigan, what is your prediction? I think without a question, it, we're going to have to give them a big dose of our running backs. I think when you think of uh, what we've shown with Cezavian Valade and Daniel Ngata, we definitely got a one-two punch there. It's important that when you play a team like Oklahoma State, who, by the way, lost the time of possession battle last week. Central Michigan had the ball for almost 10 minutes longer. But, of course, they put up 58 points because they got that fast-break offense. So offensively, what they need to do is they need to slow the game down. We need to get into that Michigan State 2019 mentality where you're just getting first downs, you're getting first downs, but you got to get points. You cannot three and out. You cannot go all the way down. You'll get a couple first downs and have to punt it. ASU needs to manufacture points. They need to manufacture first downs, and you do that in the ground game. You're going to be in Stillwater. It's going to be hot. You know, this heat, the heat wave that's hitting the whole country. It's going to be 90 degrees, 98 degrees. It shouldn't bother ASU one bit. It's going to be a daytime game. Now, Stillwater, been there. My wife's an Oklahoma State alumna. I had to give her a little shout-out. Got her master's degree this past spring. So I got to firsthand see that stadium. It's formidable, guys. It's a little bit imposing. It's a little bit intimidating. But, hey, that's what you play college football for, mm-hmm. is to go into those environments and win football games. And we've done it under Herm Edwards. With you know, In 2019, went to Michigan State. Nobody gave ASU a chance to win. You win a believe it was a nine to three game or something like that. So it's definitely possible. Like Jared said, go in there with the right mentality, get those chains moving, keep their offense off the field. Cause they can score. We know that. But if we do get on defense, then it's going to come down to controlling Spencer Sanders and not being able to let him get that ball to Braden Johnson, get that ball over to, uh, to uh, Brendan Presley, you know, who was a second team, all big 10 Big 12, excuse me, uh, kick returner. You know, those are their two one-two punch on the receiving end. Now, if Hendo is able to manufacture pressure, if he's able to get blitz, if he's able to get Soeli and Merlin Robertson into the backfield, maybe do some line games, get those defensive ends involved, get them off the field. That's that's a key thing. They weren't very good on third down, guys. They were 3 of 12 against Central Michigan. 3 of 12. Now, the team scored 58 points. So what does that tell you? They're hitting the long ball. They're hitting big plays. They're getting those chunk plays. But that also means if you get into a you know center of the ring blow for blow brawl, yep. we got a shot here, guys. If we can keep them three and out, get the ball back, chew up the clock, score points on every possession, we have a shot at this. Bottom line, in order for us to win this game, we must control the pace. Prediction, final score. Come on. I think ASU is going to go in there. I think that they are going to show what they're made of. I believe Oklahoma State might be a little bit overinflated because of what they did against Central Michigan. You score 58, you think you're world beaters. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I'm going to take ASU 21, Oklahoma State 10. Gotcha. JR, close it up. Okay, a um, couple of things. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing I'm going to say is offensively, I really think that we'll, we'll, we should be fine. Um, I've seen a lot of holes um, in a passing game. Um, smash concepts, mm. crossing routes. They got mixed up with mesh concepts, crossing routes. People wide open over the middle. Wheels out the backfield. They get lost. They lose the back out of the backfield often. Mm. Um, gosh, hitches, corner routes, wide open. Um, there's a lot of holes in that defense. Mm. So I, I think we'll, we'll – we'll be fine because it's a lot they would have to patch up in a week. Um, 
I think the biggest thing is for both teams playing teams that were less than up to par to their ability right. have to be careful. Um, that's just what it's going to boil down to. It's going to be a hard game on both sides of the ball because um, they're actually going to face an offense. They're actually going to face a defense. Not that they didn't face one um, previously, but both of these teams are more evenly um, competitive. So it should be a really good game, and I really can't give a prediction other than go Devils. We're going to win. That's right. Hey, Saturday afternoon, 4.30, kickoff, go Devils. Hey, go Devils. Wonderful show. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.